Hello, everyone, and welcome to 180 Mentoring. 180 Mentoring is here to help you with day-to-day leadership situations and how you can handle them so you can move on to your next leadership success. I'm Terry Krebs, and I'm the host of 180 Mentoring, and I'm looking forward to talking with you today. You can reach me at 180mentoring.com and 180mentoring at gmail.com. First, I'd like to say thanks to everyone for all the positive comments and all of the suggestions about future podcasts. And today, I'm going to take one of those suggestions and talk about it with you for about the next 15 minutes. Confrontation versus conversation. If you have an employee who is struggling or you see some things that are going on that you're not really sure what's happening, you can deal with that in one or two ways. You can confront that person about what's going on, or you can have a conversation with that person about what's going on and help them move past the barriers and continue to be successful. You can have tough conversations without stress, and that's what I'm going to talk with you about today. So are leaders responsible or accountable or both? Really, the answer to that question is both. As a leader, you are responsible, you are accountable, and you are the main part of the team where people come to for help. You can always make someone responsible for a project, but you as a leader are always accountable. When things go great, that's when you hand out the accolades, right? All the good stuff. And things come in and people say, hey, great job. You point that person out and be like, hey, this was Joe and his team. They are the ones that did well. But if things go really bad, you need to raise your hand and say, I'm the supervisor, I'm the leader, I'm responsible. I'm accountable, and I should have made sure that things got done better. How can you make sure that you get to a point where you don't have these major failures? And one of those ways is having these crucial conversations. There's a book that I've read over the years. It's called Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. Wonderful book. I suggest that you go out and take a look at it. And I use that as a guideline for these conversations that I've held with people over the years. So let's talk about those. Since you are accountable, how do you check in with a member of your team when and if you feel something is not going on as well as you envisioned or you agreed upon with that person in previous meetings? When you sat down and you talked with them about short-term goals or long-term goals and you came up with a plan and things are not going as well as you believe they should be going and you've seen some things that cause you concern, what do you do? Well, you can't ignore the potential problems. Because being quiet means you agree or you concur with whatever course of action you see taking place. If you don't say anything, that's just as good as saying, like, keep doing what you're doing. So how do you have an effective conversation with someone without coming across as confrontational? Well, you need to do a few things. The first thing that you have to do is you have to decide before you start this meeting, what do you need answered and what is the purpose of the conversation? If you do this critical step, it's going to allow you to keep the meeting on track, keep the meeting productive, and keep it to a minimum amount of time. For me, over the years, these conversations that had to do with resolving a very specific issue were generally less than 30 minutes. So what happens if you're in this meeting and just everything is it's, it's not good and, and there's more than one issue? Well, You need to have a separate meeting for that at some time in the future. And when I say in the future, I mean, you know, very near future, but not at the tail end of this meeting because it's not fair to you. It's not fair to the team member because you don't have all the information you need 
and they don't have all the information that they need to be able to provide you. Don't combine these problems into the single meeting because you're going to have to come back and revisit nine out of the 10 issues that are going to pop up. And you are going to have to address those things over and over again. So remember, things don't go so well. Just need to stop, come back later, break these things down into individual issues. The second thing you need to do is you need to become a master of your own stories. Don't become a mind reader. That never works out well. You have to figure out what have I already told myself about what's going on and why this person isn't doing the things that I need them to do. One thing I learned over the years is that you never really know why anyone does anything unless you ask them. It's really that simple. I've seen lots of young supervisors over the years who seem to think before they get someone into these meetings that they already have everything figured out and they're just going to sit down and they're going to pretend to be a psychic and read their mind and tell them, I know what's going on. I mean, have you ever been in a meeting where you walk in and someone says, do you know why you're here? And you're like, well, kind of. And they say, well, let me tell you why you're here. That you've been doing this and you've been doing this and you've been doing these things. And most of the time when those conversations were directed at me, they were not correct because no one ever asked me what was going on. Okay, another thing to consider is what is your relationship with this person? I've always counseled new leaders that not everyone is going to like you and you will not always like everyone on your team. However, this doesn't mean that you can't have a great working relationship with them. It's going to take work, but it is possible. And why do you have these hangups with certain people? Well, it's because our brain is this wonderful, magical tool that absorbs everything. And a lot of things that it takes in and catalogs away, we're not even aware that it's happened. One of those things has to do with the people that we come across in our lives. So generally, when you bump into someone at work or someplace else and you get that immediate feeling like, you know, I really don't like that person, but I'm not sure why, it's probably because they remind you of someone from your past that you didn't get along with and your brain, because it's trying to fill in all the blocks of things it doesn't know, will find that block that's similar, fill it in, and that's when you get that feeling. So be aware of that. So where do you have this conversation that we're getting ready to talk about or that we've been talking about so far? You need to have it in a place that is conducive to work. This is not going to be a one-way conversation. This is going to be a collaborative conversation. So you need to have this meeting in a place where everybody can sit around the table, feel safe, and have a conversation where they don't feel like they're backed in the corner. This is not you setting someone, bringing someone in, telling them like, you're fired, pack up your stuff and leave. This is a conversation that says like, hey, I want to help. So you need to have it in a place where when they sit down, they immediately feel like this is going to be a helping kind of conversation. So now that you've gotten yourself ready, how do you actually conduct this conversation? It's very simple. You just ask questions. In a previous podcast, I talked about Carl Rogers and his theory about solution-focused, person-centered counseling. His theory stated that everyone generally has their own answers to whatever problem that they're faced with if they're given an environment or can sit down with someone and freely discuss this without feeling judged. So when you ask questions during this process, you're doing the same thing. Also, if you remember, I talked about the whole mind reading thing. Like, you really don't know what's going on, so you need to ask questions to draw that out. Also, asking questions will allow your team member to develop their own answers in a way where they become self-accountable. And here are the questions or the statements that I used, and it's six things. 
One, I want to talk with you about what's going on. Tell them what it is. Number two, you tell them about this is what I've seen and it impacts me in a certain way. Number three, if I'm correct, please let me know. But if I'm incorrect, also let me know that. Number four, if I'm on the right track, let's figure out what we can do to resolve it or resolve the situation that's going on. Number five, what can I do to help? And number six, is there anything else you need from me? So let's go back to the first statement. When you set the person down, you immediately get to it because they want to know what's going on. So you tell them, I want to talk with you about this situation that's developed. Okay, so they know. Then you go immediately into the second thing. This is what I've seen. Now, this is important. This is what I've seen and it impacts me in this way. When you format the question in this way, you're only talking about the things that you have seen yourself. Not what I've been told, not what I've heard, not what I've thought about, but these are the things that I've seen. And then you tell them how it impacts you, that it's making you nervous, it makes you wonder about whether we communicated correctly before, makes me wonder if you understood what we were talking about. And it really focuses on you as a supervisor saying, I'm asking for help. I need you to explain to me what's going on. Then the third one is says, hey, I'm correct, let's keep going. But if I'm incorrect, please let me know. This lets the person know that you're there to listen. And there is a high possibility that you may not have all of the facts or you may not have all the information and that maybe this person believes that they're on the right track or they've been given direction by someone else. Or I mean, really, the reality is like, you just don't know because you haven't asked up until this point. Then you go into the part number four where I said, but if I'm on the right track, let's figure out a way we can get over this or what we can do to resolve the situation. This lets the person know that you're there to help. And then how do you solidify that? You just tell them or ask them, what can I do to help you? What are some things that I can do right now to help get you through this? And then when you listen and you have this great conversation, and again, not very long, less than 30 minutes, because there's a lot of emotions that are being driven in this because you're having this tough conversation with the person. So you want to give them an opportunity to absorb what it is that they need to get done and go back out and try to apply some of it. You wrap it up with this at the very end. Is there anything else that you need for me to get this done? And if you agree to anything, you darn well better follow up and do it. When you have the conversation in this manner, it's non-accusatory and focuses on fact-finding and not assumptions. It makes you deal in reality and facts and not assumptions, not guessing, not mind-reading. Those are the things that generally lead to the failure of lots of good-intentioned leaders. When they believe, like, hey, I'm the leader because I know everything. No, you are the leader because you hopefully have a great process of helping other people solve day-to-day -day problems. Remember, as I always say in each of my podcasts, you are developing future leaders, and you need to help them develop a process of self-correction and professional supervision. And when you have these conversations with them in this manner, that teaches them those things. Again, as I mentioned earlier, don't try and solve every problem in this short meeting. When I talked in my previous podcast about achieving goals, you might have to go back and reestablish either some short-term goals or long-term goals with this person, depending on what comes out of this short conversation. But again, that needs to happen later. You have to give a little bit of time in between this conversation and the next one about what else they can do. 
These simple, effective conversations will encourage your team members to come to you proactively when they identify they are stuck and need a little help in getting back on track. Again, you are trying to build a team of people who are self-starters, who are problem solvers, who can come to you whenever they feel stuck, because what that's going to do is that's going to help create an environment of trust among the team. When people can come and talk to you about where they're failing in an open environment and they don't feel like they're going to be confronted or they're not going to be judged and they know that the mentoring relationship is built on trust, your team will start to move forward and start the process of becoming a high-performing team. That's very, very important. So let me go over these questions one more time because I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to think about these and apply them in a way that you can use them best. Now, again, I talked about the book, Crucial Conversations. I use that as a guideline, and I also use that as a reference document before I have these. I always go through and I write down, these are the things that I want to cover. So again, those six things are, I want to talk with you about this. This is what I've seen, and it impacts me in this way. If I'm correct, let's continue talking, but if I'm incorrect, please let me know right now. If I'm on the right track, let's figure out what we can do to resolve this issue. What can I do to help? And then finally, is there anything else that you need from me? And remember, before you go in, figure out what it is that you want answered, what questions you need to have the answers to, become the master of your own stories, what stories have you told yourself up to this point? What assumptions are you making? You have to clear all of those out because you don't want to go in and already be biased in a way where you think you have the answer because that leads to the whole mind reading thing, which never works out. When you figure out this simple process or become good at this simple process of, of working through these situations in this very quick and professional, non-confrontational conversation your team will start down the path of having trust with each other and becoming a high-performing mechanism. And that's it for today. Um, once again, I'm Terry Krebs. I'm the host of 180 Mentoring. You can find me at 180mentoring.com and 180mentoring at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to hearing about your next leadership success.